Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Cage Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host, along with Buck Schlurf over MMA Nerd. Buck, give a shout out. Uh, greetings and salutations. I was trying to think of um, a Boston accent right on, like, right from the jump, and, and I couldn't do it. I don't remember a Boston accent. It is in Boston. This card's in Boston, by the UFC way. UFC 292. Is it me or does it seem like there's been fucking back-to-back-to-back fights? I, I think it's going to slow down a little bit after this, but it has just been an absolute onslaught of of actually some pretty good cards, good fight nights we've seen over the last three or four weeks. Um, it's been good. And then it, it leads up to this pinnacle, UFC 292, which is uh, a little bit of a... You know, there's some good fights on it, but a little bit of a wah-wah you know, to cap off this run. You know, they, you can only put on pay-per-view after pay-per-view after yeah. pay-per-view for so long. Um, and, you know, this one has is pretty top-heavy. Um, the most interesting fight on the card sure. is obviously the sure. Bantamweight Championship. I, I think the but other... There uh, are a lot of... like Yeah, I do too. I, I'm going to take the words out of your mouth. <laughs> there's a lot of gems, and I'm... Chris Weidman? Yeah, how about that? Coming back after... The last time he fought, when he got his leg broken against that Uriah I'm Hall, very... was at UFC two seventy. Yeah, long time ago. It was like two years ago. He just two hasn't years. looked the same. For do you have you? Did you hear an interview? He said the very first strike I'm going to throw is a leg kick. He says the very first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to run out there against Brad Tavares, and I'm going to throw the hardest leg kick yeah, of my we'll whole see. life. If anyone says what they're going to do, they usually don't do it. The exception to the rule of all this, and I don't know, I don't think that's actually, that's the right word for that. But um, the Black Beast, did you see that a couple weeks ago? The flying <laughs> knee, 265. What a, what a badass. And he just, got, he just got his contract renewed with the UFC. I don't know how many fights are on it, but Eight. Dude, how Eight. old is he right now? He's like, what, 37, yeah. I want to think? I want to say. Yeah, I want to say something like that. Yeah, yeah, but he's felt now. Derek, 265 Man. Derek Lewis with abs. That New is, mythical that fighter. Is someone I, Let me tell I you. Would, I would love to see him on, on a lot of you know main cards. Obviously not maybe at the top because he's not going to be fighting for a title anytime soon, but talk about a fan favorite. So that that's really interesting. That was a great thing. If you haven't gone back and watched that, um, God, who was he fighting that night? Um, this was ad-libbed. He was fighting That's Marcus right. Hegerio de Lima. God, what a great fight. But, yeah, that was I, right out of the gate. Uh, de Lima said in an interview afterwards um, that he, like like a week later, he still couldn't eat anything oh because too God. many of his teeth were loose. Dude. <laughs> What a yeah! What an awful what an sport. awful sport! What, what what great TV that was! Because you know it can go either way with him sometimes. But yeah, so that that was a, a great thing. You know, we went we went uh, four for five, and we both think that we got robbed on the Alex Pereira fight versus Jan Blahovich. I I'm going to stand by that. I think that Jan Blahovich won that fight. I think that he won at least two rounds. Our honorary five for five. Yeah, there we Mentally go. undefeated. Yeah, we can see each just other. Just like Sean O'Malley. Doing this, so I thought you were saying it was five rounds for a second. It's like, what? It's uh, <laughs> like, oh. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's the other thing, you know, that we, we, we stand by our decisions from the last card um, to this day. And then the other thing, you know, I guess happened recently. Jake Paul 
fought Nick Diaz. Did you watch that? Or Nate Diaz? Uh, yeah. Nate Diaz. Yeah, the younger one. Yeah, that was... um. Ian, you know, it, it was a pretty good performance from from Diaz. It's kind of like what I was expecting from him. I was glad he was, you know, staying active, staying in his face. You know, he's he's always claimed to be a boxer first. You know, even though he comes from, uh, you know, the Nick Diaz Academy is Caesar Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Um, they've always been like so boxing heavy. But there's there's a different um, look to it though. Did you, you know? I think that? He, he with the way that he threw his punches and his footwork. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to be able to turn over on his punch. They didn't look like he had very much pop on him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what is he, still, 39 now? I just think it's the way that he fight. I did <laughs> yeah. like the guillotine. I like the I like the interview at the end too. I mean, I thought it was an entertaining bout. It was by far the most entertaining entertained I've ever been in a Jake Paul fight. Like bar none. Because it looked like there's some little bit That's of adversity. Good. I thought that Diaz was going to be able to get six seven eight nine ten you know and tenth round and and just wear him out i was really impressed with, mm-hmm. with paul guy guy's the real deal you know i mean you know yeah people people want him to be worse i think than i'm included is, I think. I, you know he's not there you know, was, i don't want him seeing beating the nate diaz yeah, i think it's eddie hearn eddie hearn was saying in an interview on the mma hour that he was like you know there's some Jake Paul is a very good amateur boxer, but there's some like higher level, like ring craft things that he doesn't do. And there's some like games like there's ensure, you know, I'm going to trust Eddie Hearn that he knows what's going on. Um, And yeah, Jake Paul's not going to be the best boxer in the world. He's only been doing it for four years, Um, but uh, he's apparently going to bring it over to 10 PFL now. So apparently I don't. Yeah. If, if this happens, uh, Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz in the PFL uh, MMA fight. That would be um, that'd be interesting. I wonder how how good his Why wrestling is. He grew is. up wrestling, didn't he? I watched Logan Paul wrestle against. I, I saw that yeah. clip of him wrestling against Paulo Costa and he's got it. Um, that was pretty good. That was a good scramble. Uh, and then I've watched how, you know, athletic he is in the WWE. And so I assume, you know, one isn't the other, but, um, yeah, you know, if he's, if he's as decent at wrestling as he is at boxing, might that might be a fight, fun fight. But you know, I I've, I've discounted Jake Paul, like everybody else has for years. Uh, I still think that Diaz will get that one done. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, yeah. And what a good co-main event that will be to Elon Musk canceled, versus Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Yeah, of course it did. I think Elon, Elon was going to do it. Uh, said, yeah, he's yeah, I mean, whatever. What, uh, Elon can't even run a website. There's no way he's going to have a. Well, I'm not fight. saying it would have been good, but goddamn, would that been entertaining? I mean, talk about Moxie, two richest guys in the world going toe to toe. They were telling. They were saying that they were going to. That dude, you got to tell. Him, that's what uh, it wasn't going to be in a cage. They were going to. They were going to do it in the Coliseum. <laughs> In but Rome. whatever, whatever. I mean, like <laughs> right. those guys in have a everything pit. to lose, nothing to gain from that experience. And, you know, while I'm not yeah. like a big politics guy or, or following what their background is, um, I that takes incredible courage to challenge another CEO to a fist fight in a mm-hmm. coliseum when you're like, 
you know, running massive media companies, space exploration, boring companies, car manufacturing. I mean, get the fuck out of here. It's awesome. Mark Zuckerberg learned that it doesn't have it doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy a five dollar medal from your local grappling competition. <laughs> gotta go you gotta go earn yeah. it. And well, and it doesn't matter how rich you are, you can always be bullied. Cause what was he calling him? Like Mark Cuckerberg or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pete Mark Comedy, Cuckerberg. Mark Cuckerberg. Stayed up all night know, writing dude. that one, I'm sure. He's a smart dude, obviously. He pulls a lot together the right way, apparently. Anyway, uh, so UFC 292, I think that's what people are here for. Uh, I'm going to go through the the fights, mm-hmm. and then, um, like I said, every single time, I'm going to give you guys the odds. We're not telling you necessarily what to do. We're telling you what we think is going to happen. But at least it sets uh, the stage for the conversation, right? It's a good starting point. So first fight mm-hmm. of the night is Marlon Vera taking on Pedro Munoz. Vera is minus 198. Munoz is plus 164. Next is the late replacement for Garbrandt, right? Yeah, so Damon, uh, I, I think so. I'm saying that right, right? Damon, Damon, Blackshear versus Mario Batista. Uh, Blackshear is plus 240. Batista, minus 298. Next fight, this one's going to be interesting. Neil Magny, who's plus 380, is taking on Ian Machado Gary at minus 500. Extremely skewed. Next one up, the co-main event for the championship for the title, women's strawweight, uh, Zhang Weili or Zhang Weili. And I don't know what the odds are on that one. Uh, it's not on here. Uh, it's taking on number five, Amanda Lamos. It's on a different page, but anyway, neither here nor there. And then finally, the, the, the fight that I think we wanted to see for the last year after the uh, Peter Yan fight, Aljamain Sterling sitting at minus 258, taking on Sugar Sean O'Malley at plus 210. So let's just dive right in. I think this one's going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, Marlon Vero or Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz. What are your thoughts on that? I think this one's going to be, you know, as much as these two guys both like to say, we're violent. We're tough motherfuckers. We just go out there to kill. We're blah, blah, blah. And I, and they do, but they do it in their own way, mm-hmm. which is very slow. <laughs> um, both of them hit hard as shit. And um, both of them have uh, are able to make big moments happen. Yeah, that, um, that's a good read on but, that. Um, but, but they, you know, Cheeto, especially uh, Marlon Vera, Cheeto gets, um, he starts slow. Uh, in his fight against Rob Font, I don't think that was his last one, um, but I was uh, like perfectly captures how Cheeto Vera fights. He got outlanded like two to one, like closer to three to one. Um, Font was piecing him up and and outlanding him on the feet all five rounds, and Cheeto would just land something huge right at the end, um, just by staying in his face by being willing to absorb shots. He he has his big tight high guard, keeps his hands all the way up by his head with his, you know, forearms vertical and he can like pump his shoulders and his elbows out so he like eats a lot of shots on his arms so he can stay in range and land something big. He's got good leg kicks um, too. And it it really real good ones. Sure does. Um and so and so does Pedro. I think um Against another low output fighter like Pedro Munoz, I think Cheeto's gonna have 
the edge here. Uh, Cheeto does get hit by left hooks a lot. Um, so watch for that because Pedro Munoz has a wicked left hook. He's he's got his three weapons are um a low kick, a left yeah. hook, and an overhand right. And he everything is in service of landing right those three things. Um and Mm-hmm. So watch out for watch out for Cheeto staying in the pocket, um, trying to extend a combination or something. So he'll enter with his jab um, and try and land maybe an extra shot uh, on the body or something like that, staying in the combination, uh, staying in the pocket and watch for Munoz to clip him with a left. Uh, I have a question for you. Hook. Who do That's you think is better wrestling? I don't go. Like, on. Who do you think has a better shot to dictate where this fight's going to take place? I did too. Ah, Munoz. Yeah, I think Munoz has better wrestling, but I don't know if it's enough to be like reliable. I don't know if he's gonna reliably mm-hmm. be able to take. No, Chico I agree. Down. But I, I, I agree. Like with Vera, he's really good at at like slowly hurting people along the way, and then almost sometimes he can get him frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember the fight. Was it Frankie Edgar? Long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was fight was actually pretty close. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly how it ended, but he uh, lit him up. Uh, Frankie Edgar was yeah. actually able to hold him down for a bit. Um, able to get in. Look, he's just always been a good wrestler. And then Vera got him That's with right. a front kick up the middle, I think, and just got him right under the chin. Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, so style. I mean, with the odds being minus one ninety eight, like I, I see the path to victory for both of them. But it's not clear to me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think, yeah. I think the safest bet for this one would be Cheeto by decision. I agree, because both of them have amazing chins. I don't think Pedro's no. ever been finished or knocked and out. And Vera, his last fight was against Sandhagen, which he lost in a, in a I think, a decision. I think it was a majority decision. Was it a, was it a yeah, I think it was a unanimous decision that he lost. Mm-hmm. So... That's an interesting one. Like I, they're almost very, very similar fighter types. Yeah, when Cheeto loses, it's all, all, oftentimes lower, he loses yeah. because he's lower out. Like he just didn't do enough because um, he is kind of low output. But I think against Pedro, who's also low output, um, I think he's got a little bit more uh, wiggle room. Uh, yeah. I think. Do you, what do you think about the decision. odds? You think those are fair? So minus one ninety eight plus one sixty four. Do you think that's in the wheelhouse of where it should be? Yeah, yeah. It's okay, almost so maybe even up, a little I bit skewed. Say. Okay, I'm going to go with Vera too, just because I think that a lot of what you said, you know, he's got low output, but he's able to find gaps later on in the fight. Which, if this was against another top five guy. I would say could be a significant problem because I don't think he's going to be able to generate enough points to win it via decision. So it's either a knockout or bust, but he's going against someone that is also going to be reliant upon the big shot, a lot of counter shots at play. And so I don't think Munoz is going to have the output needed to take the rounds, uh, you know, on points that he would need in order to win this fight. So I'm going to take Marlon Vera by decision as well. So the next fight Am I saying this right? Is it Damon or Damon? 
I think it's Damon Blackshear. Damon Blackshear. Interesting enough, and you can go into this a little bit further, is coming off a win last week. And this, if he were to fight, or if, when he does fight this week, it'll be a seven day turnaround. If he wins, it'll be the fastest turnaround victory in UFC history, only right now overshadowed by Hamzat, which was 10 days, right? Hamzat did it in 10. A um, couple years ago, uh, Lupita Godinez did it in uh, in a week, uh, but she lost her second fight. So she won her first one really quickly, um, didn't take any damage. Somebody dropped out. She was already in Vegas, took the fight, um, but lost. So if he wins, it'll be the fastest turnaround outside of like early sure. UFC when they did the multiple fights Can in one night, the one night tournaments. Yeah. Holy, uh, I, you know, so credit where credit is due. He's a, a very talented grappler. Uh, he was wrestling against Pedro. Wait, who, who are you talking about right now? You're talking about Ken Shamrock? <laughs> uh, okay. I thought Demont, we were about to go Demont down. Blackshear, sorry. Um, yeah. Was, Ken Shamrock, actually, you, haven't you know, heard. probably could yeah. also hit a twister in the, <laughs> knows what he's doing down there. Um, so, yeah, he got the third twister ever in UFC history. Um, scooped it up in like three minutes or something mm-hmm. like that last weekend. Didn't take a ton of damage. Um, it has been a threat on the ground for a while, but um, I just don't. I don't know if no. he's been going Bautista's against the same dangerous. level of competition. He's the real deal. Yeah. And yeah, what, what is the dangerous. one thing you told me earlier? Uh, he trains out of the, the weight clutts. Because I think oh, that's yeah? a really, really important thing to factor right. in when you're talking about a quick turnaround, especially, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Damon or Damon, whatever it is. He didn't have a lot of damage in his last fight. It was a first round submission. So you'd think, okay, well, he's been training to take his foot off the gas and naturally he's probably going to be able to come in and compete relatively well versus someone that was, you know, just in regular training and got a call and they had one week to prepare. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? So that's a good point. Damon Blackshear is having to make two full weight cuts back to back weeks. And that's significant, um, especially he's a big guy. He's like, I mean, 5'10, 135. Um, that's a tough cut. And Hamzat, who did that in 10 days, uh, his first fight was at middleweight and his second fight was at welterweight. And he was primarily uh, welterweight. So that wasn't the same intense cut to welterweight both times. So that that I think help comes out a lot. Um, and then Godinez also, we had lost a decision. Um, and I think just durability and cardio take a significant hit yeah. after doing two cuts back. How, how back long like ago that. was this contract signed? Um, Do you know? One of the other. Um, I heard okay, about so how long does a wait typically start out? Five days? I mean, a legitimate days, like back end, tail end. Cutting out all the, making sure there's no carbohydrates in your system, getting rid of all the sodium. My guess is, and I'm not an expert in this, but it's more than three days. You know, you got to water load and then you got to pee all out. And then, I mean, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's probably one of the the Mm -hmm. main reasons a lot of people never get into wrestling or MMA is, you know, outside of the fact you're going to get punched in the face, the weight cuts and that, that skill set sucks. It's horrible. Weight cutting's probably. I've done it before. It sucks. It's worse. It absolutely sucks. Yeah, yeah. I would say 
that's probably going to be the biggest difference in this fight. Yeah, Batista's um, not bigger, um, but he's not small. Mar- uh, Mario mm-hmm. Batista is a big dude for 135 also. He trains um, at the MMA lab with Sean O'Malley. Um, so he's got really good outside striking. Um, he's got really clever, you know, like... Uh, I don't want to say positioning, but I think I mean placement of shots, um, like body head combos. He ends with low kicks. Um, I really like yeah. watching Mario Batista fight. I think he's really going places. Um, yeah, and and as good as his striking is, and as fun as his striking is to watch, his his mm-hmm. bread and butter is his grappling. Um, big cage takedowns. He always lands or is very intentional with his takedowns. So even though they're like high amplitude, like big slams and things, he lands in a really advantageous position. Like he, he lands in side control or like in three quarters, you know, like position or something like that. So he's already on the offensive and he's, he's landing very intentionally. It's not just like a wild scramble or like a desperate kind of takedown and throw. Um, and he's so yeah, quick so on fun those fact, too. The last so three, I, last three wins. You go on. Well, I'm, he's had more than that in the row, obviously, but the, specifically the last three all have been first round submissions, and one of them against Kelleher, which that guy's, that guy's legit. Yeah, and it was Lopez and then Canetti, which I don't have a ton of familiarity with those guys, but I do know Kelleher pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guido Canetti's good. Um, he's you know they're they're strong mm-hmm. undercard talents, I'll say, and that's kind of where he found himself. That was appropriate competition for Batista, and I think he made it look he, mm-hmm. he made himself look really yeah. good in those so, fights. Applying the caged wisdom theories, what are your thoughts on this? Hmm. I think. I think um, Batista is going to be able to dictate where it's going. Um, I know that they both want it on the ground, but I think that Batista is going to be able to initiate these with as many advantages on his side um, as he can. And I think that's going to give him a leg up when these grappling exchanges start. And I think he's going to win. And I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he won by submission. So yeah, exactly. We were just talking about, He, he can dictate where the fight takes place. He is fighting someone that is on short notice. I'm not exactly sure where Damon or Damon Blackshear trains out, but you know Batista fighting at MMA Lab. He's going to have a better training camp, you know, better opponents. I mean, I just don't know where Damon Blackshear trains out of. But Blackshear trains out of um, Tapology says Team ROC. That might be Team Rock, but I think it's Team That's ROC. Team I've never heard of him before. Um, I didn't see. I didn't see a ton of okay. names at that gym. I'll be honest. No nope. offense to anybody who trains at that gym. I so don't know you if yet. We're t- if we're applying the cage wisdom theories, then I think that uh, we're going to have to take Mario Batista on this. You know, And we go a little bit further into this, but there's just so many so. unknowns. The fact that we don't know a lot about Blackshear. Uh, this is a, a classic example. And I know it's because Garbrandt went out, but of a, of a fight that should not have landed on a main card anywhere. This is... This is UFC fight night level. That's you know ended up on UFC two ninety two. I think they should have t- bumped up Weidman and Tavares just you know just for 
I would have liked to seen. I think I Wyatt too, especially with a that. main card slot. Um, again, no, I don't want to shade we're not shading. Either of these we're guys, just fans, right? Um, but I think Wyatt deserved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wyatt so we're it. gonna go take we'll take Bautista on that one, who's minus two ninety eight. So next fight, which I think this is actually a really interesting fight, is Neil Magny taking on Ian Gary at uh, at welterweight. Minus five hundred. By the this way, this one for is. Ian Gary. That's that is a bullshit. That's that is that, a, I don't... that is watching the last couple fights, seeing Neil Magny lose against um, what's his name? We talked about it, Gilbert Burns. Yeah, sorry, Gilbert Burns. Um, and and you know, kind of factoring what happened that last last couple fights because that is he is not a minus five hundred guy mm-hmm. on on Neil Magny. No chance. I I will say if it if it matters at all. The last two guys that beat Neil Magny, Gilbert Burns, Shavkat Rachmanov, and they both train at Kill Cliff FC uh, with Ian Gary. Oh. Okay. So, will will they help? Uh, I'm sure they will. Um, Ian Gary, spe- he, he did uh, an interview a while ago specifically saying he went to Kill Cliff, which used to be Sanford MMA, um, which like a long time ago used to be Black Zillions. Um, is Henry Hooft down in South Florida. Um, he went there specifically because of the depth of welterweight talent. Um, Shavkat Rachmanov, Gilbert Burns, Vicente Luque, mm-hmm. Kamaru Usman, uh, all of them. Oh, you know who else trains down there? Um, welter, uh, lightweight contender and oh, friend Michael of Chandler. the show, Michael Chandler. Is he gonna? Is he gonna fight? Is he gonna fight? Yeah. So I'm sure. Uh, Connor said, uh, in his last, you know, the last he said about it was he wants to fight in December against Chandler. So, you know, give it a day. I'm sure he'll say something else. Um, but as of right now, uh, August 16th year of our Lord, 2023, um, Connor McGregor says he wants to fight Michael Chandler in December. Two different things. Yeah. Neither here nor there. Um, (laughs) Neither here nor there, but I do think Ian Gary is a sponge, uh, and and he's hanging out with exactly the kind of people he needs to um, to be a really well rounded threat. Um, and if he is what he says he is, um, and he and he has been everything he says he is so far, um, this will be a really impressive breakout performance against Neil Magny. Uh, a very different task than who he was supposed to fight, which is Jeff Neal. Um, Jeff Neal is a little bit more limited uh, in terms of like his weapons on the feet than Neil Magny is. Um, and, and I had a whole thing written about how the strategy that Ian Gary came out with against his last opponent, D rod, um, that same strategy I think would work well against, uh, Jeff Neal. Um, but it's not going to be as easy and as clean against Neil Magny, who switches stances, who's got, you know, a wider variety of strikes. He likes to He's blitz good, a little bit. Good groundwork, bit. too. Um, he, good groundwork, good striking from the outside. He wrestles and really controls well. position yep. on the cage really well. Um, and he's just like a, just a wily yep. vet. Um if Gary wins, it will be his most impressive win. Yeah, um, well, definitely. By a long so shot, you've I got think. Rodriguez, Neil Magny is uh, Canon before that. 
Green, Weeks, Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the resume between, and we don't want to sit here and compare. Obviously, he's younger, and he's you know a little more limited, and this is going to mm-hmm. be a big step for up for him. But you know, one of the things that, that I like to look at when I'm seeing like the shiny new up and coming guy is. You know, who has he fought before? How has that gone? But more importantly, who is his next fight? And I think it's a big disservice sometimes to put these these strong trajectory guys like Ian Gary against someone like Neil Magny, who not only knows obviously how to fight really well, but he knows all the little nuances inside the octagon that you're only going to get when you've had what, how many fights has he had in the UFC? I think he's what, 28 and 12? Uh, Je- uh, Jeff, sorry, Neil Magny is twenty eight and ten. Yeah, twenty eight and ten. So those little things that you pick up, and that's you know, it's usually not the top guys that are knocking off the up and comers. It's the 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 grizzled veteran gatekeeper that gets overlooked. You know, because mm-hmm. Ian Gary has his eyes set right now on the top notch, top level. Well, so I'll say to that. After he beat D Rod, Ian Gary specifically well, called out him. Neil Magny. He said, right. "Neil Magny, yeah, he's I I don't know what his game plan for him is, but he specifically said I want Neil Magny. Which he's is the next interesting step though, in my because way Neil Magny historically does not sell a lot of tickets. He just doesn't have the personality that's driving a lot of eyeballs to him. So he gets under the radar a lot. So he's that's an what like why do you think he would?" call out neil magny that's so that's very random i i think it's a it's a it's more of like a technical and uh it's from the from the arts side it's from the sports side rather than the promotion and the business side uh he wants to like slowly work his way up the ranks i think ian gary's trying to do the same Mm -hmm. thing that tom aspinall wanted to do which is make this like very intentional march yeah. all the way up the rankings, kind of knocking off contenders and going sure. at this very intentional, diligent pace. And then poor Tom Aspinall just did so damn well that he jumped all the way up to Volkov and um, uh, who, yeah, it was a Volkov was his last fight or marching to Bura uh, after that layoff. But yeah. like he jumped up really quickly. Yeah, heavyweight doesn't have um, a lot of depth. And I to think it. Gary wants to do. Yeah, so I think Gary wants to do the same thing that Aspinall wanted, and welterweight is deep enough that I think he'll be able to do that like slow climb. But it, but, it, but it, yeah, um, yeah. So I guess I that like is, where Gary's you know, if we look out. at his last matchup, it, I mean, it makes sense. I just think that Neil Magny, when I think of a guy that I chronically underrate every time he's about to have a fight, it's Neil Magny. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Take everything what I'm saying. Everything I'm saying. I I really really like Ian Gary. I don't think plus 500 is or minus 500 is uh is right but i do like him a lot i maybe not i'm gonna go on a limb here i'm gonna take neil magny Mm -hmm. i'm gonna follow the the process okay um you know i i think i'm as of right now, I like everything that I'm hearing from Ian Gary, so okay. I'm gonna go with Gary. I think he wins by. I think he wins by decision. That's a tough one. There's some tough fights to call on this on this one. Besides the the black yeah. shit Batista, I mean the fact that that Batista 
is sitting at minus 298, taking on a guy on one week notice that fought a week ago. And Ian Gary is minus 500 against a grizzled veteran who's fought some of the best in the business. Mm-hmm. Who's sitting at plus 380 or whatever it is, is is telling. I think there's a lot of emotions writing in there, but I'm going to take Magni. You know, I, I've. I think I remember, but um, Batista was like plus 900 really? in his last fight. <laughs> Or minus 900, sorry. I might put some money on that one. I don't really bet very much, but all right. So you're going to take Gary. I'll take Magni. That's an interesting one. I might have to post yours because I'm a little bit nervous about that. And then then I'll I'll take (laughs) take the credit or the blame, depending on how it goes. So Zhang Weili fighting Amanda Lamos for the women's strawweight title. Five rounds. What are your thoughts? Um, I am excited for this one. Uh, I, I'm nervous too, of course. I, I always get nervous when Zhang Weili fights because she's one of my favorites. Is it Zhang? Um, I, I really like watching Zhang. her fight. Okay. I Zhang. think it's um yeah. Zhang Zhang Weili. I'm not familiar with the tongue? Okay, don't quote me on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I you know and uh, she is a really good striker. She's got great kicks. She's powerful. She's so strong for 115. Um, and, you know, I think after a all stand-up war like she had with Ioana um, and then the rematch where she put her away, I think she um, gets a lot of credit for her striking. Um, but her wrestling and her grappling has has come on, like, by leaps and bounds. She is so aggressive on the ground her scramble ability is amazing um for the second rose fight um when she rematched rose for the belt she trained at Sahuda, right um yeah she yeah um i can't remember what that what his team is is called but yeah she trained with um henry cejudo and mma and uh Davison Figueredo. Okay. No, Fight Ready, I think it's called. Uh, okay. MMA Lab is Sean O'Malley, I think. Ooh, don't quote me on Whatever. that Whatever. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, even in her last performance against Carlos Barza, we kind of clown Carlos Barza uh, because she lost the belt so quickly to Yin Jacek, and, and the way she won the belt was so yeah. anticlimactic against Rose. Worst uh, fight the second in, time. in the history of the UFC, um, I think. But she... She really is a grappling force. Like Carlos Barza is like a credentialed wrestler and a serious ground threat to anybody in that division. And Zhang Wei Li went like full horsepower and outscrambled her and secured a rear naked choke from a crucifix in the second round, which was awesome. Uh, I love watching Wei Li on the ground. She like gets to dominant positions really quickly um, and takes any opportunity yeah. to land big, heavy shots. She strikes with her elbows super well, which I really love. I think um, women in general in the UFC, but also like lower weight classes. Like if you, if your arms are lighter, um, you're just not going to be able to, like generate as much power in your punches as somebody who's at heavyweight. Like Derek Lewis can just uh, 
his lighter punch is just going to be so much heavier, even relatively, like in comparison to somebody than, you know, a 115er. Um, and the 115 pounders that can crack are just a mm. lot fewer and far between. Um, but you don't need to have a tremendous amount of power to land um, damage with elbows. So I think even if you're a lot smaller, those are still big threats because you can cut with them um, and you're hitting with bone and you can put a lot of your weight behind them in a little different way than you can your punch. Um, so I always love when I see people in lower weight classes use their elbows uh, and Zhang Wei yeah. Li does it amazing. She's the top from the bottom. She's always she's really active good footwork. Um, Great scrambles, really good scrambles. Um, um, she comes from a, a Sanda background, yeah. which is like a Chinese martial art. And there is a, a big emphasis on catching kicks and taking people down off those kicks. So in this second Rose fight, Whaley got most of her mm-hmm. takedowns off of that. body kicks. And I think, if Lemos throws uh, any of her body kicks uh, and she's not the best body kicker, she's not the best kicker in the world. She's mostly a puncher. If she throws like too many of those like errant low um, body kicks, I think Whaley picks those up and takes her down really quickly. Yeah, what I like about really Whaley too is the, the way that she blitzes in with the combinations. I mean, she is super fast. And she's got really good footwork, really good angles, yeah. and she's able to make a lot happen on those blitzes, oftentimes leading into either a takedown. Um, you talked about the elbows, but she does a lot of knees, gets in like kind of the tie plum thing, and she's so strong. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned mm-hmm. before, like I don't know who's stronger physically because uh, Lamos is an, is an absolute force out there, right? Yeah, she, she's yeah, you know, maybe she's true. got her met in in punching power. Maybe she's even a little bit stronger. But when we look at the overall body of work and the different facets and avenues to be able to win the fight, it just seems like Wei Li has got more opportunity there, right? Because and on top of that, we've got the experience level, mm-hmm. you know, to boot. Yeah. So Lemos hasn't had as many high level fights, but um, fought Marina Rodriguez recently. And um, Marina Rodriguez is a great boxer. Like she is a great puncher, um, really good setups, really good angles. And one of the more like technical and savvy mm-hmm. and effective punchers at 115. And Lemos and Rodriguez got in this like really slow chess match where they were exchanging strikes and feeling each other out and getting their timing and like fainting a lot. Um, They were doing high level stuff, but it wasn't going like it wasn't a high output, you know, lots of transitions kind of fight. Um, And that lasted until like the third round and Lamos clipped her once. Um, and as soon as she saw that Rodriguez yeah, like felt swarmed. that punch, she swarmed uh, and got her out of there in, like immediately. Lemos can turn it on an instant. So she's all like, but she doesn't sell out, which is really cool. Like she's very, very patient. She's very like, like intentional with every strike she throws. And she's planning for this long game because she knows that, like she doesn't have to knock you out with one shot. She just has to create an opening and then she'll attack. Um, 
And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch because um, it's really cool to watch her like land yeah. like yeah. really She's strong fun. power shots on the feet. Um, and it, so there was an interview ahead of this card with Jessica Andrade, who has fought both of them. And they asked her who hits harder, who's stronger. And she said, Lemos. So she's, she even got, she got knocked out by Zhang Weili, but she still says Lemos hits she harder. Submitted um, and Andrade is picking. She did. She did. And she submitted Lemos with a standing arm triangle, which I thought yeah. was awesome. One of the coolest submissions I've seen in a long time. Um, but she's still picking Lemos to win. Um, which is very cool, which is very cool. So I, I like Andrade, but I'm going to disagree with her still. Um, I think that Whaley has more tools and even if she could engage in like a very fun, like intense match on the feet, I don't think she will. I think she's more than willing and able to get this fight to the ground. Um, and yeah. wrap it up with the same. I, I agree quick. with you. More tools, more experience, more options to win could dictate where the fight goes. Might be a little bit less in the overall power, um, you know. But I think that that Wei Li, one thing that she's proven to me is she's a consummate professional, and she seemed to get better and better every single time that she fights. And she's really good at making a lot of adaptations to whoever she's fighting that time. Like the difference between the first time she fought. Rose Namawanas versus the second time she fought Rose Namawanas was a, there was a dramatic shift in the way that she went about it. Now she didn't win the fight, but still, mm-hmm. um, uh, and she really was close. really close though. I, I almost, yeah, she does. She every single time so she much better every time she fights. And I just haven't seen enough from, from Lamos to, to be able to call a fight for her against Whaley at this point. So we're both going to take yeah, Wei Li. So. And then final, the Bantamweight mm-hmm. title bout, Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley. What do you think? Um, I am done underestimating yeah. Aljamain Sterling. You know, I, I, I always tell myself, yeah, well, he's really good. But, you know, there's too many asterisks sure. on all of his wins. Um, you know, he's just, he's just not as good as people, you know, he, it, I'm done. I'm done saying that I've learned my lesson. Aljamain Sterling is that guy. He has just awesome ground control. His, like his takedown his, so his takedowns are not the best. Um, mechanically they're very good. Um, he was a wrestler, um, in New York, I can't remember where he was wrestling, but he was Division Two, I think. Did he, did um, he, was that the same and place? Mechanically, that, uh, his takedowns went, are it? great. Hofstra or some shit like that. I, I don't know. Was it um, like maybe. I'll have to ask him next time. Me yeah. and the guys are hanging ask, out. I'll ask him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Chandler gave me their number. So I, anyway, uh, finish finish your thought. I have a question uh, for you. He so so Sterling has really good like mechanic like mechanically sound takedowns. He's so physical. He's so like trained in those movements, but he 
he never sets them up. He almost never sets his takedowns up, which really frustrates me. He will dive on takedowns from like a mile out and wrestle up if he can. Um, but he almost never sets his takedowns up with strikes. Uh, and that's really frustrating to watch. When he does, he gets them down, but uh, it's uh, he shoots a lot of naked shots. So question for you. Why do you think Sterling yeah. is is chronically overlooked? Um, I think it's because people don't want to like him, and so they find any excuse not to. But why is that? Um, he started off well. That he won the belt way. off of yeah. I, so to win a belt off a of DQ is tough. Yeah, I I Piotr Don fucked up. That he did not deserve the belt after that. You. Got DQ'd. That was the most blatantly illegal knee, the most smooth brain move I've ever seen out of like yeah. a championship level athlete. But yeah, so he doesn't deserve the the belt, but I don't know that it should go to Sterling, you know? And I think a lot of people felt that way and they all thought he was hamming it up and oh, you know, la la la. So great. Nobody thinks he should get the belt. He's a paper champ, blah, blah, blah. Then he rematches him. Uh, and you know, he kind of leans into this heel role a little bit and he's dancing around with the bell did la la la, you know, he's making a bunch of memes and jokes on the internet about like, Hey, Peter Yawn, you ever you read the rule book or blah, 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 you know, and they're corny and whatever. And people were already kind of looking to not like him. And then, so when he scrapes by on a split decision and mm-hmm. he's got a lot of split decisions, I think he's. Ton of he's them. got like seven split decisions almost or something all like that. almost all are um, decisions too and that's what not yeah. people don't want to see um, a champion right and yeah and and because he got them by winning those two rounds with just back control and he wasn't landing damage i think that turned people off and then and then he talked a big game about how he beat tj dillashaw but he beat tj dillashaw who only had one arm and that wasn't his fault it wasn't Aljamain Sterling's fault that TJ only had one arm. That was that was a dumb move by TJ to go into that fight yeah. with one arm. Um, but to say, like, I beat TJ Dillashaw, the former bantamweight goat. I'm the bantamweight goat. Like, yes, but you're ignoring the big asterisk. And then he beat Henry Cejudo, which for me, that was the last. That convinced me. That was an incredible fight. And I have so much respect for Henry yeah. Cejudo. Uh, I think anybody who beats him is an incredible fighter. But he was also coming off of a layoff. He had, you know, he had been retired for like two or three years. So I get again why people are putting an asterisk over that fight. So here comes Sugar. He's just coming off um, his own controversial win, to be fair. Um, But everybody, you know, a lot of people like him. He's got like this mainstream attention. Um, If you're looking at the uh, UFC embedded vlogs that they put out on YouTube, he's in, he's like the the thumbnail of most of them. Like the UFC obviously wants Sean O'Malley to win. Yeah. By the Um, way, the way that you, you summed up, the way that people view Sterling and why they would feel that way is exactly what my thoughts were. I think he did a really good job with that. Yeah. Like yeah everything right. that he does has Thank got you. an asterisk by it. Um, and even with Cejudo, you know that if you look at it on paper, 
if you didn't watch the fight. Like, I didn't think it was that close mm-hmm. of a fight. I thought that Sterling won that fight outright. But it was another split decision. And Sterling has a way, especially on social media, to kind of run his mouth. And he just hasn't had any big statement wins yet. He's beat a lot of really good guys, but no big statement wins. I think this is going to be a real opportunity for him. Even though O'Malley isn't really regarded at this point as like the best in the business, right? Yeah, I, I mean, don't, think... don't you feel that way yeah. too? Especially with his performance against Jan. I kind of felt like he lost that fight. Yeah, I thought he lost that fight too. So it's another, this is going to happen again. If Aljamain beats O'Malley, and I think he will, people are going to say, O'Malley didn't deserve that shot. He didn't even beat Piotr Jan. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, I think that really the biggest issue right now is the division. There's just not a lot in there except for, um, yeah, Mur- Marab. Marab. Yeah, because they're on the same Who team. Who he won't fight. And then I'm trying to think with Umar. I think he was talking about going to that division too, Nurmagomedov. And I think is Umar a flyweight or a... he's one or one forty five. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, or, okay, sorry, so feather. Yeah, he's going to go. He was talking about going go. down to Bantam. Hmm. Which that would be an interesting fight. Well, Umar, out of all the people, and I don't go into this because this is like I read about this in some like deep, deep MMA, you know, black label shit. I don't know how, how much like validity it has to it. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get at is that that's the type of partner that he's going to need. Someone that looks unbeatable. You know, he's got the name, the branding behind him, behind the Nurmagomedov name. Mm-hmm. He's going to need something like that, which they just don't have right now. I mean, Cejudo was there, but, mm, you know, Cejudo took that massive layoff and then he came back and we don't know how good he was. And you've got all mm-hmm. these guys. Dillashaw was you know, uh, a shadow of who he was three or four years ago, especially after the doping. You know, I thought Piotr uh, Jan won the first one, you know, by a mile, right? Sandhagen, but Sandhagen doesn't really have that that big following or he doesn't have that statement in that division. Well, and, and then Sandhagen and, yeah, and yeah. Sterling and already fought too. Yeah. And and Sterling got him out of there quick. Well, so so this so what does Sterling do after this win? We were kind of talking about this earlier. Um, he says, win or lose, I'm gonna go up to featherweight. Um, so he's gonna vacate and let Marab get the next shot if he wins or loses. Um, and he wants to fight Volkanovsky Yikes. next. And boy, if you need a statement win. Alexander Volkanovsky is the biggest statement you can make. Like, and for all the reasons that people took it away from Islam and they said Volkov, the uh, Volkanovsky still pound for pound number one mm-hmm. because he went up in weight and challenged and and Islam should are he should be a welterweight anyway and he still you know couldn't you know couldn't beat Volk. Um, all those things will be true of Sterling coming up. Uh, I don't know. Think he wins no. that, but that's a good. It's a fight. really good fight, but no. that's a good fight. No, he's not going to win that. Yeah, we're looking past yeah. Sean O'Malley Which, though. I'll say. You know, that's another thing I've done in the past too. Is I've kind of discounted him a little bit. I mean, he's a he's an entertaining figure. He's uh, he's colorful. He's got a lot of interesting things to say. You know, he's got a unique look to him. 
Uh, he's got a, a really, really entertaining fight style. Uh, he's probably the fastest guy in the UFC, I would say, if we're talking about just like sheer speed. Like the way that he throws, he is so he really so does fast. Glide in, like his and like out. heel cook, uh, yeah, heel uh, hook really kicks, smooth. his spinning kicks, his spinning body shots. I mean, his angles are ridiculous. He's really dying. He doesn't look like he should have that capability, but you know he does. But mm-hmm. he's also never really. I mean, I'm trying to think who the best wrestler is that he's ever fought. I mean, Jan was a pretty good wrestler. Um, he wasn't a primarily wrestler, but you know, Jan's always been um, sure a pretty capable grappler, and and he held O'Malley down. Um, O'Malley was able to, you know, keep himself out of too much danger. He was never there was never a threat of him getting finished or anything like that. Um, but he did get held down for mm-hmm. six minutes of that fight and against Jan, and that was only three rounds. Um, so you know, O'Malley's never fought five. Um, he has gotten held down before. Um, you know, that being said, all those, all the flash that O'Malley had at the beginning of his career has kind of like gone away a little bit. He doesn't do quite so much flashy stuff, but the skill is still there. It's very technical now. It's angles and feints and, 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 timing adjustments and levels and all of these things that are really, really good. I mean, his distance management is awesome. That's going to be his biggest tool. Uh, He was saying in an interview, we were talking about um, Sean, Sean says it it is a life or death that I don't let him get a hold of me. So what he means by that is, everything that he can do to manage his distance on the feet and stay away from the side of the cage and, and keep his range is a second where he has a very significant advantage against Aljamain. Um, we said Sterling doesn't set up his takedowns super well. Um, he doesn't mix them in with strikes all the time. His striking defense isn't terrible, but it's not great. And O'Malley is so sharp. He's so precise and he has such a good understanding of of yeah. setting traps really and managing too. his distance. Um, Ridiculous power. He, there is, weight. I mean, it is. There is every possibility. You know, it, to call it a puncher's chance would be disrespectful. Um, but Sterling is in danger every second he's on the feet from O'Malley because he really does. Uh, have just an incredible sense yeah. for those strikes that deal tremendous. But, but maintaining distance, um, which is really where O'Malley is going to excel at. That's where he always has excelled at when he, when he's got mm-hmm. you know the option to throw the kick, to do the spinning, throw punches, different angles. All of that is, is coming off distance management. And that's such a tall order against a really good grappler. Even though you're saying like that he does the, the big shots and, from, and, from further away. Yeah. Yeah, but st- yeah, you're right. Sterling puts on such a pace. He's yeah, in he's known such for tremendous shape that he can he can he can go go go. Yeah, I mean he wrestles with Marab. Like, uh, there's no way yeah. that you train with Valishvili for any amount of time and don't get and we haven't seen levels better in yeah, your O'Malley cardio. go five. But, so, and, but but the thing is, like O'Malley, you, you've got that fast switch mm-hmm. muscle fiber. Obviously, that's going to be soaking up a lot of oxygen. But he's a lean, lean, lean guy. 
And I haven't really seen him slow mm-hmm. down a ton, you know, after three rounds. Mm-mm. I So I think he can go five. Um, but can he go five at the pace that Aljamain well, can TBD, go five? Right? I, I mean, that's that's why know. these things are so freaking hard to call. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we watch. <laughs> yeah, that's we why we know, watch. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Uh, I It is extremely disrespectful to say that O'Malley just has a puncher's chance because the skill level that he has with what he's good at with his, his footwork and his speed and his combinations and the way that he sets things up is uh, it's pretty spectacular to watch. So what do you think this comes down to? Is it just O'Malley getting trapped or do you think it's him getting ground out against the side, getting some, you know, takedowns, some sweeps put up on the, you know, and then, and just taking some rounds. I, I, I think it's how much can, O'Malley land before he inevitably gets taken down really? every round. Every round, you think? Um, yeah, I, I I think O'Malley's got decent takedown defense, um, but I think he is he's only going to be able to escape for so long each round. Um, so I I think it's going to be what shots can he land? How can he make those matter? You know what can he what you know, long-term benefits can he get out of his shots before he inevitably gets taken down? Because I don't think he's going to be able to get back up. You know, can he defend himself? Maybe, probably. Um, the first time, no. I don't think he gets submitted in one round. Um, but I do think he gets taken down at least in three rounds. Um, and if it goes all five, I think he gets taken down in at least three rounds. Um, and I don't think he gets back up when he I does. I think he gets back up on um, round one. I think I think round mm, two. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He gets he gets reset back down to the he gets a, a mat return, and I think round three he stays on the ground. But I think he's going to end up losing most likely uh, by a decision or a late round submission when he gets when he gets desperate and goes to his, you know, rolls onto his stomach or something like that, just trying to get away. Mm-hmm. When he was ro- ro- uh, rolling against Jan, um, mm-hmm. he turns his back to get up, um, like to, to, he breaks away and turns around in order to, to create distance. And uh, Sterling is so good at like snatching back control. And so to like turn your back, um, as part of your getup is a big thing well, that Sean's going to have to What about the spinning like, elbows have to, and this, you know, the, the wheelhouse kicks? I don't but think we'll see nearly as game. much of that. So you're saying we're going to yeah, have to see I, like I a think lot he's of just like gonna... fundamentals because that's not where O'Malley excels. And I think that's that's what we're trying to get at right now is I think uh, that the game plan – for O'Malley is going to mean that he's going to have to restructure a lot of what he's really good at, whereas Sterling's going to be able to capitalize his game plan on what he's really, really, really good at, which is getting control, getting him on the ground, maintaining that control, and boring the bejesus out of us when he does it. But O'Malley's going to have to adjust his best qualities for this fight. That's yeah. not the way you want to go into a fight. And that's also why I don't think Sterling has a snowball's chance in hell fighting Volkan or no fighting Volkanovsky. Oh, okay. Oh, because okay. 
everything he's yeah. good at. Yeah, is just better. I, Dude, do you see Volk him against can't Islam? Volkanovski's not going to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, no chance. Yeah. So I'm going to take Sterling. Uh, I'm going to take right. it via decision because I think O'Malley is going to be a tough out. But I would not be surprised to see it via fourth or fifth round submission. I think you hit the nail on the head. All right. Our goal, just so everyone knows, was 30 minutes. Yeah. Nice yeah. short and episode we hit it today. On the head, Look at us. 2X. So congratulations, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Perfect. so what's what's coming up after this? We've got UFC 293, right? 293 down in uh, Australia or New Zealand. Uh, Israel Adesanya in his 11th title fight or whatever. I don't know how many he's had at this point um, in the last three years um, against Sean Strickland yeah. because that's where middleweight's yeah, they were, at. They were right doing now. so well before. Sean this. Strickland gets his. I know. What happened to Trickus? I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, you know, we're looking, we're talking about Hamza. We were talking. Don't even about, get me started. It. Uh, I, I don't yeah, know. Where he is hasn't he? fought since that debacle fight. Yeah, since uh, since he beat. Yeah, it's like eleven o'clock right now. Kevin Holland. Uh, Kevin Holland. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I thought there was a lot of possibility for him, but anyway, so. Oh, uh, Hamzad is fighting Paulo Costa. That's what at two ninety four. Was that locked in though? There, got it. Is that locked in? Yes, yes, because Costa was supposed to fight at the last pay per view, um, and now he's fighting uh, Hamzad. Okay, that's 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 gonna be at at middleweight. Yeah, that's gonna be a fucking great card. Look at that: Islam, Oliveira, Costa, Chimaev. Get out of here. That's that's the kind of card that we want to see. Woof. There you go. Yeah. Tune in All for right. that one. Well, thank you very much, Buck. And uh, yeah, so everyone, appreciate you taking the time to, to listen to these picks. We're going to post all of this on Instagram here. Uh, tonight, we'll have a bunch of links to this. And also, uh, probably Friday afternoon, I'll be getting out the picks and also a little bit of a breakdown on Instagram as well outside of the podcast. But appreciate everyone's time. And we will be back for UFC 293. Do you know when that is? No, I don't either. No. That was an honest, <laughs> honest answer. September 9th. That's not even that far away. September 9th. All right. Okay, but good. in the meantime, I hope everyone enjoyed it. And we will see you then. Over and out.